We don't ever want to be the reason why we lose a game. We want to make sure that they have everything they need and we just stand in the background and nobody knows what we do and the game will go on. It's a job that, when it's done well, no one is expected to notice. The role of an equipment manager is layered with responsibilities, handling problems big and small, all in service of the team. I am Daniela Ponticelli, the host of Air It Out, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast. This episode shines a light on a man who is very happy working behind the scenes. I'm Gordon Gilroy, equipment manager for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Gordon is 38 years old, born and raised in Regina. He first got involved with the riders organization in 2002. I actually started working in the crowd. I was a hustler. I would sell ice cold Coke, working with Earl Stewart. And then that kind of led me to the Regina Pats. And then the lady who managed the Regina Pats store also managed the Ryder store. So she brought me over for the Grey Cup year. And uh, I was one of like three guys that worked and they just needed muscle. So I helped and we worked all the time. And from the store, I moved into the equipment room in 2005. And then in 2009, I took over for Norm Fong. So I've been here ever since. So I got two great cups, which is pretty cool. Dating back to 1966, when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders won their first Grey Cup championship, the club has only had three equipment managers. Norm Fong, who taught Gordon, is by far the longest serving. He held the job from 1979 to 2008. What was your first impression of Norm? Uh, he was very strict. He was very set in his ways and, you know, his way of doing it was his way and ultimately it's probably helped me to where I am now like I do a lot of the stuff that he did I still do it at the time I thought he was crazy and you know he was just a strict guy but it made sense after and the longer I've been here why we do things like that and it's helped me some of the things he taught me with laundry we still do it so getting the stains out and everything like that Norm was a huge part of where I am he helped me become the equipment manager I am today can you share a little bit about what those lessons, you had mentioned laundry, but maybe it's something else as well. That was something you learned from Norm and no one else. You have to be strict. You have to tell the guys, you can't just be there. You're not here to be their friend. You're here to provide them a service. You work with them. You have to treat everybody equally. And if you want to be treated fairly, you have to treat them fairly. So that was the biggest thing. I didn't understand why we couldn't just give the guys everything they needed and, you know, open the doors. If a guy needs this, let's just give it to them. But no, I, I see... You know, we have to be able to get through the year. We have new guys coming in all the time, and we just have to, you know, treat everybody equal. And that was the one thing I learned from him. When did you know that this job was something you really wanted and you wanted to take on as your career? Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. It's kind of a crazy story because I, I didn't go to any rider games when I was younger. Didn't know this kind of a job ever existed. I wanted to work in the trades. I wanted to be a mechanic or electrician or something. But this job just became easy and fun, and it's put me in some very unique positions that I don't ever want to give up or don't ever want to change. So I think I'm here for life. You don't have to be a player to be a part of an organization and be treated fairly and have fun. And, you know, I have two gigantic rings that guys who have played football don't have, but I've been fortunate enough to be a part of the team and they treat me as equal and that I've got everything that they have. I've been in the plaza now two times with the 07 and the 13 team. So, I mean, I've been put in positions. Uh, I think it's just a unique experience. I mean, I don't want to ever traded in for anything else. I love it. Before Norm, Dale Laird was the guy from 1966 to 1979. Hinkley Archer took care of equipment from 1961 to 65. At least three more are recorded as having held the job, starting with Howard Fink in 1934. 
How do you feel about having a job that so few have had in the past and so few really get to have right now when you look at a nine-team CFL? Yeah, there's only nine people that do what I do in, in Canada, which is crazy. There's history, I guess. I'll always wear shorts. I don't know why, but Norm always wore shorts, so I'll continue that. I'll always wear shorts, even on the coldest games. My mom gets mad at me for wearing shorts. She says I'm going to catch pneumonia. But that's the, uh, I'll keep those little traditions going and uh, just kind of keep this job, you know, I don't know, right where it is. I just don't want it to change. I want us to continue to have fun and do the unique things that we do. And hopefully the next generation of people want to do what I do, so. And I take it you haven't caught pneumonia. Never, not yet. I mean, it was cold in 2010, it was minus 40, I survived. So it's really not that hard. I can, somehow we survive. I didn't want to wear shorts, but he wouldn't let me wear pants. (laughs) So I just kind of stuck it out. And um, then I've seen like the equipment guy in Winnipeg, he'll wear shorts all the time. The guy in Calgary wears shorts. He's a little bit shorter. So when he wears a winter jacket, all that's exposed is like six inches of his leg. But um, yeah, I thought he was crazy. I, you know, I think I'm crazy for doing it, but I've gone this far, I can't give up now. You were there for the move from historic to now new Mosaic Stadium. What was that process like for you? Uh, it was probably the busiest off season I've ever had. Uh, trying to get everything packed up after the season and be ready for free agency. That's kind of when we moved in. We wanted to be moved in here for free agency. So it was just crazy to get like I had no concept of what the the amount of hours and the work that it took just to pack everything up, box it up, bring it all over here, and then unpack it and be set up and it to be usable space. Like we had never really been in here, so we didn't know. You know where things were gonna go or so we're still moving stuff around and it was sad because that that stadium has such convenience and it had good memories and I hope to be able to make the exact same memories here but that's you know it it's just it's different but I love this place coming to work here is easy it's beautiful it's it's nice got a great AC so that matters so were you able to get a sense though of what this space was like even just from drawing plans or anything like that prior to the move well, so myself, Jeremy O'Day, and Mike McNeil, my old assistant, we actually toured NFL and college stadiums. And then we were able to, with architects, build everything and we wanted with the cubby holes, all the uh, storage units and stuff like that, little laundry room was all us. So yeah, on paper, it's one thing and when you see it, but then coming here and trying to get all the boxes and the shirts and everything to fit into it is a whole nother thing. <laughs> and it's just like we had so much more space but we weren't able to fill everything right away. You know, years have gone by now that we've been able to fill more stuff and we buy more stuff and, you know, we find, oh, this works well here, let's move this over there and stuff like that, so yeah. For you, what is the most rewarding part of this job? Probably being around everybody and hanging out and, you know, to share with my son and my daughter to come by and they hang out in the locker room, which is very cool. Being a part of some of the biggest wins in the Rough Rider history. I mean, Old Mosaic, Taylor Field, some of the stories that we were able to bring and some of the stuff that I've been a part of. Braden Lenius started out, he would be our ball boy back in the day. He started, he would come to the BC games. He was here. Jackson Ford, we would help out with cleats whenever we could if he was playing for the high school, the Rams, and just seeing players come up. Like Dan Clark and I went to high school together. And then I was his equipment guy for 10 years, which is very neat. And just seeing other guys like Stu Ford, I you know, went to high school with these guys, Neil Hughes, and just to be a part of the 13, winning the Grey Cup at Taylor Field was crazy. The party we had, being there in 2007 at the Sky Dome was and being a part, being able to surprise the players. When we came out in all white, when we changed, like we did small changes, but we changed the face mask from green to white and their reaction to the players, it's nice. I mean, 
I'm finally older than all the players. When I first started, I was younger than most of the players, and now I'm older than all the players, which is kind of a neat thing. I finally, you know, I see what Ivan was always saying. Ivan Goodfriend was our head trainer when I first started. I learned a bunch from him. I mean, I had great times with Ivan too. It surprises the guys how old I am. Some of them don't believe me that I've been around as long as I have been. They think I'm just a young kid. It's nice that way, and you know, I get to tell some of the, the stories, and I get to explain to them, you know, how 13 went. You know, what did we do in the locker room? The, uh, you know, the party afterwards. I get to, you know share some of the stories and also when it gets cold out I get to explain to the guys you know what's the best shoe to wear you know how do you stay warm uh, what's the undershirts we should be wearing tights different tricks of the trade that I learned from Norm and Ivan to keep these guys you know warm is the big thing. Gordon loves history and he has a healthy obsession with all things Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I just don't want it to ever go away like that's my biggest fear like when I first started there were no pictures of the rider locker room they didn't allow photographers in there to take photos you know just so guys can see different history uniforms what we've worn in the past I think these guys would be very interested in knowing you know some of the players that have gone through the locker room too which I like to brag that Vince Young was here Trent Richardson or some of these guys and you know I think it's important we're over a hundred some years old. We have jerseys we needed to show off. Like, I just want to brag about how cool the history of the riders is. And I think it's important to let everybody that comes through this facility know that. There are so many items he has chosen to keep and then make a point of displaying at Mosaic Stadium. And this signed cowbell here? Yeah, so we have a barber shop that I, uh, I kind of take under my wing and decorate it as much as I can. So anytime I find old memorabilia, I go on Facebook Marketplace and try to get back as much rider stuff. I have a lot of old stuff that I don't like to get rid of it. Try to keep it going as long as I can. The barber shop is across the locker room from the equipment area, which I now know has its own name. We call it the armory just because it's a little bit more exciting than just the equipment room. You know, the armory and military, it's where you go and get all your gear. To get to the armory from the concourse, you have to go down two flights. That's field level at Mosaic Stadium. This is a highly secured area. Gordon lets me in. While walking a short, very modern hallway to where he works, Gordon points out a massive Saskatchewan Rough Riders logo hanging on a wall to our right. So this is a carpet from Old Mosaic, Taylor Field, in the locker room, and it was going to go down with the building, but I had my assistant at the time, Mikey and his dad, went in one night, and they took it up, scraped it up, however you'd say it, and then they put it on a big, giant piece of wood, put it together, because it's a puzzle, essentially. So there's just pieces, and they put it together, and then we hung it up here, and it's a bit of a story. Whenever anybody walks by, we can tell them where it came from. It's the logo on which both the 2007 and, to a greater extent, 2013 teams celebrated their Grey Cup wins. Just a few steps from the old carpet, also to our right, is a large floor-to-ceiling glass wall display with three life-sized mannequins inside. Two are wearing the home and away uniforms of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The third is the coach's fit. They are there to remind everyone of the CFL's game day dress code. So ours includes a green helmet, a green jersey with white undersleeves, and then either green or white pants. So if it's green pants, we wear green socks. They tell us that our tape has to be white. You can't have black tape. And then you have to have all your team colors. You can't wear something that's not a team color. So if not, they're subject to a fine. They have to get a letter in their locker that they got fined for wearing no socks or they had the wrong undershirt or a towel. 
that was too long or had some writing on it. They can't do anything like that. So, what is your favorite look when it comes to the uniforms? Let's start there. I like the uh, the all green. I'm a big all green and the all white. I really like that look. And then our helmets are sharp. I think we have some of the nicest helmets. So, who gets to decide what the players wear on a given game day? That comes from upstairs. I put together a list of the games. I send it off to them, and they decide what we're going to wear. And you know, it's up to them. Then we send it to the league. And obviously, if a home team wants to wear a certain combination we have to alter the home team gets to pick the color combination so some teams want to wear dark pants we would have to wear white pants on the road so it's worked out pretty good that we can wear green the display also showcases acceptable cleats hats and gloves in the top right corner are three helmets those belong to 2013 rider gray cup champion quarterback Darian Durant. Uh, he was one of my favorite guys and he's a huge part of our history so you know I just put his Grey Cup helmet up there and uh, the other playoff from the 13 games up there so I thought it was cool. The mannequin display is directly across from a wall of numbered cubby holes. That's where players corresponding to their numbers can pick up or drop off items on one side while the equipment team has access from inside the armory. Gordon tells me they got the idea during those tours of American college and NFL stadiums. This is one of the, the only one in Canada that has anything like this. We can check it out. It has just doors where the players, as they enter, they grab. And then we blacked out the retired ones because we didn't want to lose. It worked perfectly from zero to 100, so or 99 I guess. So we hand out the laundry here and we put all the clean stuff here and as the players enter they come and grab it. Beautiful, easy. So we try to keep our locker room as clean as we can by doing it this route. Next so. to that is the entrance to the armory. It is set up like a concession counter you'd see on the concourse but instead of products hanging on the walls inventory is meticulously stored in labeled drawers and on shelves. What it is players come up and they ask for if they need uh, wristbands there's all the different types of wristbands you could have. Um, oh my gosh, so you got bicep bands in there. Oh, there's bicep bands. There's the uh, muscle. muscle band, and then you got the the muscle bands, and then maybe it's this row that has the, uh, the wide ones. Yeah, the wristbands. We try to keep it as clean as we can so it's organized, easy to go out. And then just along the line, there's compression shorts, girdles, everything they need. And then there's, you know, quarterback towels are another big thing. Guys just come grab quarterback towels keep their hands dry, uh, skull caps, head wraps are another thing. And then when we get into the winter season, we have balaclavas, our big thing. So the players pretty well essentially show up with nothing and we supply them with all the rider gear. We're a new era team, so we try to stay on brand. Mm -hmm. It comes all the way out. So this is just gloves. So this is size 2X only. So if a player needed white, there's black, there's green and white, there's padded with leather palm, there's you know what kind of a, a thicker receiver glove in here there's just anything you could imagine gloves so they have that and then uh, socks you wouldn't believe how many socks we go through in here so this is just socks and how many would you say would be in one of these drawers when they're full oh 20 dozen maybe i think we order them about 20 dozen a year this is just the tip of the iceberg over to my left is an open area with mobile storage units we will get to all those later. We start first where the players do, the helmet fitting room. Every time we get a player, we bring him into this room and then we fit them. And a mirror is so important to the players because if they look good, they play good. This is all the tools, all the decals, uh, different things. We added 3D bumpers for this game. So uh, before it was a sticker and now they have just raised lettering on them. Why the change, just a better overall look? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it just cleans it up a little bit. It looks kind of different. It's a different look. Hasn't been done too often. Fairly small space, but it's got everything that you need to fit everybody. What is that process like? Uh, well, the first thing they do is bring the player down to us, and we size him up for helmet, shoulder pads. We get his clothing size, his shoe size, the glove size, anything he needs, and that he needs for on the field and practice to be ready to go. So it's kind of neat. They come in here, they grab what they want, they can pick, pick their face mask. Where are they? We got drawers upon drawers of chin straps. We change out chin straps and decals and face masks a lot because they get, you know, beat up and stuff and it's, we want to look good. And the players always say if they look good, they play good. It's not only about looks. Hanging on the wall beside the mirror is one of the newest pieces of CFL equipment, the Guardian cap. It's an added measure for concussion prevention that fits over the helmet. Players are mandated to wear them anytime they have shoulder pads on but our players are good enough and they happen to wear them all the time. It's really helped cut down on uh, concussions during practice and stuff. I mean, it weighs, I think it was two ounces. It's not heavy. It's very neat. A bit of a pain to get on and off, but it's, <laughs> it's something we gotta do. And then there's just a couple helmets that have cracks. It's pretty rare uh, that a helmet cracks. It does happen three or four times a year. You can tell the scrapes and that will get sent back a warranty and we'll get a brand new one, so. We're working on these are the quarterback. They're all ready to go. They'll get the headset put in them an hour before the game. That's a whole nother process for us is all the quarterback helmets have a speaker and then they have the, head, the uh, little headsets and then there's a, a coach's walkie-talkie that they talk through, so that's kind of cool. And then every uh, every stadium has a, has a code that we have to abide by that we have to, these are our special codes that we can't share. A few things that stand out in this small space are the older helmets on display. Some more history. One belongs to former Ryder quarterback Neilon Green, another to former Saskatchewan linebacker Jarrell Freeman. Right here. This one he crushed on his head and couldn't get it off. So that's Jarrell Freeman's. That's pretty cool. That's kind of the craziest one I've got. Um, I've got one that Matt Dunstone wore, and then they all signed it, signed it when they had that game here outside. Yeah, all the uh, Team Saskatchewan signed that one. He's talking about Canadian curler Matt Dunstone. Dunstone famously wore a rider's helmet while playing at Mosaic Stadium on February 6, 2022. It was the first time a curling game had ever been played outdoors on a CFL field. In the old school neon green wraparound, he wore that mirror tinted visor, an old school helmet right there. So I kept that one, I thought it was very cool. And these ones, there's one that's blue, and then there's one that's like mustardy yellow with a stripe yeah, down the middle? Just, they, we just found them and we were cleaning out an old Taylor Field and brought them over. Okay. They're just kind of cool suspension style helmets. But nothing quite compares to new. The helmets coming out in 2023 and beyond are revolutionizing the game. You know, the big thing, there's new helmets coming out every day. Some of the helmets are kind of neat. This one is a, a Speed Flex True Fit. So now what we do is we actually mold helmets to players' head. We use our phone or an iPad with an app and they put on like a little bonnet. And then it takes about a thousand photos of their head. And then they get a custom made helmet that fits them. They're very expensive, but they're very cool. That's where the uh, all the technology is going. And how many of those do you have right now? Uh, I think there's eight, eight or 10 of them out in the locker room. It's a hard process because you have to scan and then it's four weeks to get the helmets. And they only have a lifespan of a year, or four years. Yeah, there's those, and then Vices is a big helmet. Shut is another big company. We have a lot of helmets, the F7, so. Can you uh, share who has one of those custom helmets? Trevor Harris has one. 
Schaefer Baker has one. A couple of the old linemen have them too. Braden Lenius has the only shut custom helmet out there, which is kind of neat. It's not very common. When he was down with the Atlanta Falcons, I believe, he was scanned for an F7, and it's quite a bit different than any traditional helmet. It's got a bunch of little pods in it, interchangeable. So they map his head, different thicknesses, where they need them, and they're just stuck in there. So when we got his helmet, we get like a map. And so if anything falls out, we know where, you know, when number three goes in, you know, number seven all the way up to number 10s, different size pods and stuff like that. Gordon tells me receiver Mitch Picton has a precision fit helmet. It even has the player's signature on the back. The helmets are so advanced. I mean, we're showing guys how to wear the helmet, how to do it up properly is a big thing. And uh, face masks are a big thing too. Everybody wants a custom mask. This is an old Peyton Manning mask. Haven't been able to get anybody to wear it, but it's kind of neat. These are masks like Justin Fields is wearing where the sidebars cut in like a Z bars. Everybody, you can customize everything. Chin straps are small, medium, large. Jaw pads. If they want a prism visor, you know, that rose colored or they want a smoked, which is slightly dark, but not really dark enough for them to get in trouble. You're not allowed to wear them. So you have to wear clear or the prism, but. Players that wear dark or dress code violations, that's why we have mannequins in the hallway. So as the players enter, they know how they should be dressed, but it's a fight every day to try to get a guy to go out there properly dressed in the correct uniform with the green socks. You know, you gotta have your towel, has to be new era. It can only be 12 inches long. So. We haven't even gotten to clothing and uniforms yet. We leave the helmet fitting room and find ourselves looking up at least 10 feet, maybe more, where additional merchandise is kept in mobile storage units. These move easily with a crank. Picture a modern library of football equipment. Uh, at Old Taylor Field, we were underneath the stands, which was dark, and it was actually dirt floors in some of it. And now we have these extremely nice uh, storage units that, that move which is very cool. And this is where we, you know, keep all the hats. Oh, so fresh. Clothing, some coaches shorts. This is more or less for the coaches in here. Yeah. This is all their shirts, sweaters, uh, ones from the past, some t-shirts some shorts. And then the hats are all up and down. It smells are. so nice in here. I love that smell, that just new, the new hat smell, new clothing smell. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. And then, you know, if a player wants a sized hat or a coach wants a sized hat, we have all the sizes different colors. We have snapbacks. We have the visors way up there. They're not as popular. Jeremy O'Day love, loves the visors. So we have some fresh ones for him whenever he needs them. And then- uh, They'll make a comeback one day, yeah, I think. I'm sure they will. <laughs> and then these are all our face masks. This was just show you how many different types of face masks there are that a possibility a player could wear. It's just rows and rows and rows of face masks. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's, there's so many different types, different helmets. Every helmet probably has, I don't know, 12 to 15 different types. And then from that, they have different types. And uh, NFL players are designing new masks all the time. So then we want to get them just because then our guys will want them. So face masks. And then we have, like you said, rows of rows. We have rows of rows of cleats. In boxes. Yeah. As you're pulling this away, it's just this glow of orange, yeah. all the Nike boxes. Yeah. So shoes are, are kind of a unique thing. We can, we supply the players with any kind of shoe. And we decided to go with Nike. We feel it's the best shoe. Uh, it's done quite well for us. We like it and we're fortunate enough to get green and white cleats, which our cleats are at a premium to be able to get, but we have, you know, green Ooh, and white. They're so nice. Players want white because it looks makes them look fast. <laughs> Nobody wants a dark cleat. They all want white cleats, so. 
You're very in tune, of course, with what the players want, because I bet you get so many different asks all the time. Yeah, when I first started, everybody wanted the baggiest clothes. They wanted the really big shorts, cut off sleeves, and now everybody wants the tight clothing. The I had to start ordering mediums, which I'd never done <laughs> until a few years ago. Everybody wants mediums and, you know, to be fitting, and nobody wants baggy anymore. So that was funny when I first started, like Neilon Green and all those guys wanted everything baggy. The shorts had to be... Of course. That was the style. Yeah, 10 sizes too big, so. More and more and more. It is impressive, really, that all this inventory is contained in a relatively compact space. This is where the helmets start. So we have extra helmets because we don't know who's coming in or when they're coming in or how many guys are coming. And then we try to stay organized. So every player has a cubby hole with their game pants and their game laundry bag in here. If a player goes on, we know we can come here, grab their green or white pants, and their laundry bag, and that's how we set up the locker room. And then just overflow of brand new pants, green and white, all size. So if a player wants to change one mid-game or halftime or rip, we try to change it out. So then I have a shots. I have a very important question about the white pants, the classic pants. Yep. Do they have a slightly different feel to them than the green ones? They fit quite a bit smaller. I'm not sure why they do, but they do. Most teams around the league, every team's having trouble with the fit. Our guys don't like wearing white, and I don't know if people have realized that on the road, we stopped wearing white pants, and now we go to, you know, the white jersey and the green pants. Guys love the way they fit. Finally, we get to the jerseys. And these are all the backup uniforms and brand new uniforms. Wow. So Every are, variety that you have. And different cuts. So that's the thing. Every uniform comes at different lengths, different sleeves, different cuffs have uh, different sizes. Some are half inch. Some are, you know, a one inch cuff. Um, there's big cuffs. Quick disclaimer here, despite everything being new and easily on hand, Gordon and his team are still very good with problem solving on the fly. We'll take like dental floss and we'll sew it up or, you know, double side tape it back together uh, just to get that player out. We've had cleats break. The biggest thing when a helmet breaks in the cold, one, I think it was what, 2010, we were in Calgary. Game was so cold, stuff started to break in helmets and clips. So just getting that fixed fast enough so it can get the players back on the field. We don't ever want to be the reason why we lose a game equipment. We want to make sure that they have everything they need and we'll never ever be blamed for anything and that we just stand in the background and nobody knows what we do and the game will go on and you know nobody knows how the uniforms came about or how the decals got on the helmets but you know we're just trying to stay back in the backgrounds and stay quiet as long as nobody complains we're happy right? On this day leading up to Labor Day weekend there is a pile of alternate classic rider jerseys ready for the players. Oh, the they're so nice and fresh. Brand new. Pretty well all of them are brand new. Uh, we send them out to a seamstress. She adds elastic in the waist so they don't hang. They have to have the effect of being a finished jersey. The guys can't wear a jersey long that's untucked. It has to be either tucked in or a nice finish. Everything, names are all spelled right, I hope. Logos are ready to go. Patches are on. So Some of them are patched up like an offensive lineman. You'd see a little bit of, maybe not even Logan's is pretty good, but some of them would have a, a fixed hole like right in here. Yeah, they're all ready to go. Pants are in that card. As soon as they're done autograph day, we'll start setting in the locker room. That's our biggest, our biggest day. Remember all that talk about helmets earlier? Well, each player has one. That means when the Labor Day Classic rolls around, Gordon and his team spend hours removing all the current decals and replacing them with the classic Saskatchewan Rough Rider logo and stripes. Then they reverse the process for the rematch less than a week later. And then these are just staff shoes. So we supply staff with shoes, so there's just as many. If a coach needed a new pair of shoes, we'd have it, or we have all our, we got peak shoes. 
which are pretty cool. No other team has their own shoe that we have. We have the rider shoes, so we're very excited for that. And those are being sold now as well to the public. In the rider store, yeah. Yeah, every player got a pair and all the coaches, all the staff. So we look after every player down here and every coach and every staff member is our duty to make sure they have clothing and stuff like that. So The next storage stack is all coaches' clothing for every season and color combination. So this is all coaches' clothing. And this, and then this is her traditions. This is all stuff that coaches will wear tomorrow. I've got the shirts, so that's all available in the store. We have everything and just clothing. If a coach needs a new jacket or a hoodie or something, we have everything. I everything and anything you'd imagine. The classic look on some of these. Yeah, the old starter jackets that are making a comeback with a big pocket in the middle. And these are all our Fight Club shirts. I don't know if many people ever see guys wearing these. We do a whole fight club. Uh, coach Dickinson does fight club. No, not that fight club. Under head coach Craig Dickinson, players earn points each week for their performance on the field. Stack up the points, get cool gear. Okay, so what I'm looking at right now are t-shirts that say you know, Bantamweight Fight Club and then Welterweight and then <laughs> Team Self yeah, 2023. That's, that's what our, it says uh, on the back. Thing, yeah. So when do players get this? They earn them after the game. So every game they get points for touchdowns, interceptions, pressures, sacks, everything you can imagine. There's uh, four different types, white, gray, green, and black, and then the heavyweight. We give them up a heavyweight championship belt. We do that up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And then this is the belt. These are the heavyweights. So we're not fooling around. When they get a heavyweight belt. They get a belt. They get a belt. Feel the weight of that. Or uh -huh. can, do you have a... Yeah, yeah. I'm so afraid. it's actual. Wow. It's an actual belt. And what we're... Yeah. Looks like one of those professional wrestling belts is what it looks like. That's yeah, it's fantastic. What we're going for. We do it all up. It gets the final up. storage unit is full of different supplies. Everything so from gloves to hand sanitizers and soaps. And that brings us to another very important piece of equipment. And then this is all the footballs. Uh, just Wilson boxes full of brand new footballs. Yeah, that uh, my guy Ty, he'll start preparing all these. He'll use a leather conditioner. And then he has a process where he applies a mud to it and he lets that dry. Then he removes the mud. It helps break in the ball. We have a, a grind, uh, brushes on a grinder that help break it in. Players like them all to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is flat, but you can tell the darkness, the difference of the color, how much different they get once we've applied the mud. This one's been mudded and everything like that. We are starting to use balls with chips in them, computer chips. So it can track everything that that ball is doing, how far, how fast it's going, things like that. It doesn't tell you if it crossed the goal line. It's, huh, it's not what it's meant for. It's just the speed of the ball, how many rotations. Uh, Ty spends a lot of hours getting footballs. That's a majority of his job. Footballs and making sure that ball bags are ready to go in the quarterbacks. Uh, before the game tomorrow, Ty will take all the balls to the quarterback and he'll pick his favorite 12. They'll go in a bag, then they'll go to the referee and then it's off our hands so we don't have to deal with that. So As equipment manager, for away games, what is your week like leading up to that? And what is it like? I'm thinking specifically for a game like, say, Touchdown Atlantic. Yeah, that was a big game. That took a lot of planning because we were so far out. And one t the first time we did, we took everybody. So we had to get make sure everybody that was traveling had a jersey and that everybody was packing a bag. And before the bags leave the locker room, myself and my assistant will go through and we'll check everybody's bag. We need to make sure they packed a helmet. You'd be surprised how many times helmets are not packed. <laughs> so that they're packing their thigh and knee pads. And at least everybody has two pairs of cleats. That's about it for that. And then hopefully they pack some of their personal stuff if they need, you know, whatever else they're looking for to make their game day, you know, comfortable experience. And then we have trunks on top of that where we pack all our extra socks, gloves, 
And then if heaven forbid it's a rain game, so we carry a whole nother trunk of rain gear. We have hand dryers that these guys will wear that has a chamois in it. They have rain gloves. So there's about another five trunks including the trainers. And then there's probably another 30, 40 bags of just different things that you can imagine. They've got the long sleeve, the short sleeve compression, the loose long sleeves. We're taking everything as if it was a home game. We need to be prepared. We can't be short and not have something a player needs. But yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Day three is a packing day. So we load our truck and then it's take, it goes to the airport on day four. And then we fill the, air, the airplane. So it takes about an hour to get everything loaded. In the airplane when you're in season you're obviously at your busiest what is a typical week like for you like if you have a saturday game what are your hours that you're putting in we're basically here from 7 a.m till we're done and it varies like last night we were here later because we had to decal all the helmets we can't go till all the laundry's done and then we'll go through and clean up the locker room make sure everything is reset for tomorrow morning and it's just do the same thing all over again until you get either a road game or a home game home games are a lot easier we have everything we're just getting the uniforms ready. We wash every helmet and polish every helmet, make sure all the scuffs, uh, no cracks, you know, face masks aren't bent. So today and yesterday were our two biggest days on these days. So rest of the time, it's just laundry and practice that we run. I see you at the practices. What is your role during those days? During a practice, I'm just there to make sure nothing, you know, needs to be done. I clean up the field. My assistant Ty sets up the field while he runs practice. I'm there to lend a hand if he needs anything and then just clean up the field and make sure we're ready to start laundry as soon as lunch is done and the players are outside or are gone for the day, I should say. Now back to our tour and our final stop is arguably the most important. Laundry room. We do massive amounts of laundry. Uh, we have three 60-pound washing machines and then three 96-pound dryers. We do about four to five hours of laundry every single day. Anytime there's a practice day, uh, game day is a little bit more because we have to do the visiting towels, the referee towels, and everything like that. So it's just a lot of laundry, uh, a lot of different things. Try to get all the stains out so there's no stains. We use anything and everything to get a stain out so the jersey looks perfect. So have you found your favorite method to take a stain out? Oh, uh, yeah, there's different things we can use and just working on the stain. We try not to dry the jersey. Well, we don't dry the jersey. We don't dry the pants because at that time, we're always able to get the stain out. Once we dry it, it's set. Uh, we use palm olive soap for getting out stains, resolve, anything and everything. And we have a few chemicals that we buy from people that help and stuff like that. So yeah. you're, you're mostly dealing with what kind of stains? Um, blood stains is a big thing. That's the majority of it, blood paint, and then uh, what's left over from another team. So there's sometimes, like, they get uh, scuffs on the jersey from the helmet, the face mask. When they collide, it's a collision. So it's it's not small. It's It leaves marks on the jerseys that sometimes we can't get out when they hit a guy. It's nuts. But, yeah, it's kind of cool. We do a lot. It's loud and hot in this room. It'll get up to about 35, 36 degrees when all three dryers are going in the middle of summer. So... And so Gordon and I find ourselves back in the middle of the armory, which, no surprise, has some key pieces on display from historic Mosaic Stadium. That's it. These were lockers that I kept from old at uh, Taylor yeah, Field. I old thought old. they were kind of cool to show players and what, you know, what we had originally over there. So I and you got a few of these in the alumni area, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, and I stole, uh, well, I didn't steal it. They were going to get rid of Gainer's, uh, do you remember the car you used to drive around the yeah. field once he won the old Toyota? I have the siren on that side that I kept. They were going to get rid of it. I want to hook it up in here, but I haven't been able to yet. It's kind of my goal so is to get that thing hooked, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's more. Like, 
in all those cupboards you see underneath there is long tights. And then up there, what's in those? It's kind of weird. There's some old like memorabilia. There's the old glass cutters that Dan Farthing and Ray Elgard would wear those, what are they, orange kind of gloves. I've got those up there. I've got some old pictures. I've got some old helmets. I try to hold on to what I can for the history and stuff like that. These are all weather bags. So when it's raining or cold, we have different ball bags that the guys will take out there, work with. We kind of deal with everything. So what happens in the off season? Most of our ordering is done in September and October. So we have to have everything ordered for the following season. And then right in April is when we start getting busy. Everything shows up and this place is filled with boxes and that we just have to start putting it away. So we inventory everything and we hang it, we fold it. And then once we know our coaches and we start building the coaches clothing package, everybody gets a duffel bag with you know their shoes. Uh, we, we give them sunglasses. They get you know shorts, underwear, socks all the clothing, all the newest New Era clothing they get. Do you feel a little bit like Santa Claus when you get to give all, I mean, that's gotta be a, such a fun part of this job once you've done all the work of packaging things and getting to deliver it. it. It takes us so long to put everything away and then it's over right away. They get all, oh, what's the newest thing? What's the next thing we get? <laughs> no, it's kind of fun. It's the players seen like when we gave all the guys new hats, they're all excited when they get the newest stuff, when everybody got sunglasses or everybody gets, you know, a new t-shirt or something like that. You don't have to name names, but you can if you want. Who are your favorite players to deal with? And this can just be the kinds of requests or the kinds of players. It doesn't have to be a specific position group, but maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I've had some really great guys that have come through here. Corey Grant, Rob Bag, Darian Durant and I used to get into arguments <laughs> constantly. About. Well, anything. His helmet, you know, didn't fit right, or he wanted to try this helmet, or... You know, he needed this or that. And the players, they get in there, they get set in a, in a way, and they're pretty stubborn about it, that they need that to work a certain way. Or, you know, my jersey's just not fitting right. Or we've changed manufacturers and the gloves don't fit right. Or, you know, the shoes. I like the last year's shoes. Well, we don't have any of those. All we have are the new ones. It's funny, but the special teams guys don't ask for anything. They're very, you know, self-sufficient. They're very low maintenance. Uh, it's usually the, uh, the skilled positions they got to look good to play good, they tell me. They need all the swag, as we call it. They need the wristbands, the towels, everything they can do to look good, they play good. You know, if they don't look good, they're not playing good. Uh, they need the eye black. You know, they they wear a lot of accessories, high number of accessories, some of these skilled guys. The old line are easy, too. They don't ask for much. They just want to be able to get their jersey on and get tucked into their pants. So, It takes all kinds to make a team. And Gordon is a welcome constant in the ever-changing world of professional sports. He also has many stories, even plans to write a book someday. Yeah, I hope so. Nobody's feelings get hurt or anything like that when I tell all my stories, but I definitely will tell them all. And while I get that, I still want to know just a little bit more about those Grey Cup celebrations. You were the assistant at the time of the 2007 Grey Cup Championship in Toronto, but I mean, wow. Tell me about what that was like. And of course, that just sets everything up for you moving forward, having had that experience. Yeah, I was kind of, I was in shock when it, I mean, you just didn't expect that. I mean, we hadn't been to a Grey Cup or we... We hadn't won a Grey Cup since 1989, and then to go in 07, and then all of a sudden you win it, it was just, it was it was crazy. I didn't know how to, 
it was just a shock. I mean, then we came back and we had the two, the, the parade, the uh, whole thing at center field at Mose or at Taylor field. And uh, just being a part of that. And then you find out that they're going to give you a ring, a gigantic ring, which was a shock. Cause I never, never thought that would happen. And so I have these two big rings that I'm able to give down to my children, which is my ultimate goal. I mean, it's so cool, but yeah, it, 07 was, you know, exciting, but then you move on to 13 and to experience that at home in your locker room and the things we were able to do. You gotta tell me a little bit more about that. I'll, I'll give you this one. So in 13, Great Western was the sponsor of the game, but Molson was a team sponsor and everybody wanted their can to be shown in the Great Cup in the locker room being dumped over each other's head. So Great West dropped off beer. I think it was Monday morning, a lot of beer. So Molson found out and they're like, no, 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 we're gonna drop off more beer. So Great West found out that Molson had brought beer and they were a little upset, so they brought even more. <laughs> and then so the day of the game, Molson found out that Great West had brought more beer. So then they brought even more beer. You, I couldn't even tell you how much beer we had. It was crazy in the, in the locker room, in the party. And I kind of went out and I went and bought 100 bottles of champagne, didn't know, I bought that early in the week, didn't know if I was gonna get in trouble if we didn't win or if I could return it. I went and got cigars. We had a whole bunch of cigars. I didn't know what I was gonna do with these if we didn't win. And then it just happened, it worked out that, and then unfortunately I spent most of the second half in the locker room preparing the locker room for all that because I had to hang plastic, didn't even, you know, I didn't wanna you know, get ahead of myself. So then we did all that. And uh, it was just crazy, the amount of beer. So then they ended up working out a deal that great. Molson could have their beer out too. So we, we went two hours strong of just a party in the locker room. And then the next morning we had to have a carpet shampoo come and clean. It was just, you know, an inch of beer in that locker room. Like you were just walking in beer. It was something I'd never experienced before. But uh, that was one of the more unique experiences. The, the, we called it the beer wars. They just kept coming. So, but we've done other things that, I mean, ultimately I want to be able to tell my story in another, but there are so many more stories that I have. And, but that, that beer war was one of the most classic things that's ever happened to me. So do you have an amount that you could even maybe 2000, like it was crazy. Like we had more, we, we, and they were all gone. There were just, (laughs) there were beer cans littered all over the floor. It was, I couldn't even, it was, it was something else. Like in 07, we didn't have that big of a party because we were in the Sky Dome and they didn't, you know, you couldn't be smoking cigars. They didn't want you spraying the champagne. But in 13, all, it was just do whatever we want. And the worst part was we never filmed any of it. Like there's some uh, tidbits of it, but nothing like for the real party. Like the premier was in there getting beer dumped on his head, you know, Jim Hobson. <laughs> Uh, then we took the great cup up to the ticket office. So the, uh, the ladies in the ticket office got to see it, but yeah, we went two hours strong and it was just, the locker room was never the same. We couldn't even get it clean for the next two years. There was stained all over the roof of champagne and beer and the bottle. Oh, yeah, it was a mess. Oh, hundred percent worth it. I would do it over again. Anytime. Rider Nation definitely wants to do it again. A big thanks to Saskatchewan Rough Riders equipment manager Gordon Gilroy for joining me this episode and taking us all behind the scenes. New episodes of Air It Out are released every second Thursday. The first seven, plus a bonus episode, are out now wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Let us know how much you like what you are hearing by rating this podcast or leaving a review. Our next guests are Ryder rookie defensive back Jackson Ford and his grandfather, two-time Ryder Grey Cup champion Al Ford. Air It Out is hosted, written, and edited by me, Daniela Ponticelli, with editorial and technical support from Ariel Zur and Blake Tideman. Special thanks this episode to team historian Rob Vanstone. Our podcast graphics are designed by Angela Bailey. Air It Out is a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast.